Welcome to A Pair of Bookends, the book club you can carry anywhere. We are your hosts and hopefully your new bookish pals. I'm Hannah MacDonald. And I'm Lydia Clare. We are delighted to invite you back to our debut Spotlight series, where we share the latest authors and their incredible work. Today we shine a light on Stolen, a debut novel and an international number one best-selling sensation. Stolen is a powerful coming-of-age novel about identity, culture and family. Anne-Helen Stadius is an author and journalist from Sweden. She is Sami and of Tornadalian descent, two of Sweden's national minorities. In 2007, Anne-Helen made her debut as a young adult author and has since published seven YA novels and two children's books. In 2016, she was awarded the prestigious August Prize for Best Young Adult and Children's Novel and the Norland Literature Prize. In 2021, her debut adult novel, Stolen, was published in Sweden, which quickly became an international bestseller and was named Sweden's Book of the Year. It has now been sold in 22 territories and is her first novel to be translated into English and it is also being adapted into a film for Netflix. Stolen was published in the UK in February this year, and we are thrilled to have Anne Helen with us today. So, welcome to a pair of bookends. Oh, thank you very much. Only thing, as we say in Sami. Oh, hello, lovely. So, we always like to start our podcast by asking the most burning question, which is, what are you currently reading? Okay, I'm reading two books, actually. One is a Swedish book that hasn't come out yet. Uh, I think it's not uh, published in English yet. It is called, I have to look at the title in Swedish also, Lykatil in Swedish. And uh, if it's going to be translated, it's going to be good luck. Uh, but I'm also, at the same time, uh, reading Girl, Woman, Other, by Bernadine Everisto. So good. So those two. Those two. Amazing. We loved Girl Woman Other, didn't we, Lydia? We did indeed. When this podcast originally started off as a book club, and I think that was our first. It was our first, our first book club choice. It was. Yeah. It's fantastic. So I, I hope you're really enjoying that. Yeah, <laughs> I am. Good, good. So obviously this is our debut series and this is your first book to be translated into English, which is so exciting. And obviously the book is, you know, it's a very personal and affecting story. I would love to know sort of what the experience in having your debut adult novel published and what the experience in having it translated has been like. Well, I have been thinking for very many years to write for adults. And I knew that this story stolen was going to be quite emotional and maybe too tough for young people to read. But I do know that a lot of young people is reading stolen. But I thought to myself that uh, for me to feel free as a writer, I have to uh, make it uh, a book for the adult reader. And yeah, it was very easy to start writing it. I uh, almost never have like a plan for what I'm going to write. Uh, I just start to write and see what's coming out of me. But of course, it's a lot of planning before I get to that point where I sit down at the, by the computer. But when I started to write, it felt like, yeah, this is what I should be doing. I like to write for uh, adults. So it was, yeah, really a nice writing experience, and um, but also very tough 
of course, because the book is very tough. And then to get it translated, that was like the best. I mean, the English market, that's what we all dream about here in Sweden. So, <laughs> so I was so happy. Uh, my agent is the best. So I'm so glad that she managed to get it out um, to the English audience. Wonderful. And, you know, you were just speaking there about how most authors in Sweden want to be brought to English audiences. Now, what is that relationship like with a translator? Like how much of a relationship do you have with your translator? And, um, you know, what is that sort of conversation like in what you want the translator to be capturing in the book and what how you want them to get it right, basically? Uh, well, Rachel uh, sent me a couple of emails uh, asking questions mostly about Sami words and uh, expressions and uh, things that they are doing in the book that is kind of hard to translate into English. And then we had to like adjust it to make it work for English. Uh, but I think she did a marvelous job. Uh, I didn't help her that much, I think, but I was very happy that she was so uh, eager to talk to me and she really wanted to get it right. So it was uh, really fun for me also. I mean, the translators from all of Europe, the ones that has uh, done the translation so far, has been like this. Uh, they, they read like in a different way. They see details that I don't see. Uh, and some of them even like, but hey, she was holding her hat here and now she isn't. Why isn't she? And, and I was like, what? <laughs> so, so they are so great. Uh, I love their reading. And uh, I think Rachel did a great job. Really great job. Wow. That, I, I love that. I, lo I think it's great to have that like sense of collaboration about it as well because it has to have the essence of the novel. It can't, it can't just be a literal translation of it. You know, so much of the original language captures that and so it's so important to get that translation right. The novel is, to me seems very well researched, very well crafted. And the world that you create is just filled with like authenticity. It just comes across in waves. Can you tell us a bit more about the, any any of the research that went into the forming of the novel? Yes, I started to do my research like seven years before I actually sat down and started to write. Because it was such a sensitive story, I was kind of afraid to start writing it. Um, but I was following reindeer herders on social media and uh, I saw the horrible pictures that they put out there of their reindeers being like tortured and killed and, and they just find like blood out in the snow in the forest and uh, they wrote li really heartbreaking about this. And also my mother comes from a reindeer herding family uh, and my cousins and uh, I have also uncles who has been reindeer herders and my cousins still are. So I, I have been... Uh, kind of close to this world uh, ever since I was a child. So this is very close to my heart. Um, but when I wanted to write about this, I knew that I had to do a lot of research because it's not my daily life. Mm. And so I also went out with some of the reindeer herders and we were up in the mountains and we were in the forest and they teach me a lot about uh, how they do their work. But they also told me a lot about how hard it is when the mining companies are taking 
taking like the pastures that they need for the reindeers and they they talked about the sami hatred uh, which i also is familiar with so um i started to like collect all of these stories and then i met uh, a reindeer herder her name is sara sarah uh, and she was really great she's one of uh, the few reindeer herders who has the guts to try and stand up and say enough is enough uh, with the killing of the reindeers. And she gave me 100 police reports that her Samabi had uh, done and the police hadn't done anything. And when she gave me that envelope with all these uh, police reports, then I knew now, now I can write it. Now I have like the reality that I need behind my writing. And then I started to write. Uh, so that's one one thing but then it's also i had also been following a lot of young sami people because there is a big problem with the mental illness in the sami community and very much so among the reindeer herders so that was also one thing that made it like uh, so important for me to write this book i wanted people to know what the consequences is when reindeers are getting killed and and you live under this constant pressure i mean when we received the book i remember thinking like gosh this is quite like a, a niche topic and i didn't you know expect to be as affected by the story as i was and that sounds terrible to me now but because it was something i'd never kind of heard of before i was like oh i don't know how um i'm gonna sort of relate to this and you know actually like everything that you explore in the novel is so like powerful you know, I, I was worried that I would, because I'm not from those communities, maybe I wouldn't understand it at all, but it actually was such an education in the things those people and communities are experiencing. And also just what you touched on there about social media. I forget how, how much social media plays a part in our lives now. And I think when we had the shift in the book from the start of it being a time when social media wasn't available to people and then the shift to, I think it's part two, that social media kind of arrives in the book. Mm -hmm. And then you really see, you know, like how much of an impact social media can can have, um, yeah. which I guess is really important for, for those communities, you know, sharing these issues that they've been experiencing for a really long time. I thought, you know, I thought that was really powerful. Um, obviously, Lydia's just asked about, you know, the research of the novel. And I was curious about, you know, the process of putting this story to the page but as I said earlier you know this is a really personal and affecting story and I, and I wanted to know how much did you have to sort of tread carefully in um, how much you included of the real life events of this book and the actual people that were involved in the real life events um, and were you ever sort of concerned in any way about any potential backlash you might receive from writing this book? Yes, I had to be very careful. Maybe not so much for my own sake, uh, because I live in Stockholm now, like I'm far away. But I was afraid that this would affect uh, like my family, my relatives, that someone would get upset uh, because I'm writing about this. And some of the reindeer herders that I interviewed and that I followed uh, to the mountains, they didn't want me to put like their names in the book. Uh, in the end of the book, I thank many of the reindeer herders that had helped me. But some of them said, no, you can't, you can't print my name. Uh, I don't want it to be there. And so, yes, I was afraid for their safety, uh, but 
as far as I know, no one has uh, been harmed in any way. Um, but yeah, it was still a little bit scary. And uh, that's also why I didn't give uh, any of the villages or the city a name. They are only called like the village and uh, the neighbor village and uh, the city. Uh, because I wanted to keep it like, so nobody could say, oh yes, it's this village. It has to be that person and that reindeer herder. So it was a way to protect the people that I have been talking to. Uh, and it's also very good to like mix uh, fiction and non-fiction um, so that that is also a way to protect the people that I have been talking to. Yeah. So there were reindeer killed. Uh, reindeers are getting killed all the time, but there were some incidents afterwards, but I didn't see like it was connected to the book. And uh, I think, yeah, I've talked to Sarah recently also, and she's saying that it's still going on. Yeah, things have been a little bit better because it's not only my book, there was also a um, program on uh, Swedish natural TV uh, that brought this topic uh, up to, uh, I, I think it was two programs where they uh, talked about the police and why they didn't do anything. So I think we came in from two different directions and, and maybe that had some kind of impact because uh, now we're seeing that the police are doing more uh, more investigations than they did earlier. Wow, that's ab absolutely brilliant to hear. Yeah. And I, th I think that a lot of people would, I think, would dismiss fiction as just something you read and then it's over and it's done, you know, put it back on yeah. the shelf and forget about it. But it, I think this novel in particular shows the, how much of an impact it can have on culture and society and, you know, even, like you said, influencing the, the police procedures, you know, and how, how they might go about tackling something. And I think the fact that that, and like you said, these, you know, journalists or, you know, non-fiction writers and things casting an eye over the subject I, I think it's just as important that we're reading fiction and it's reaching as many people as possible about these subjects yeah because I'm a journalist too and uh, I think that writing like articles about this doesn't impact people as much as if you read a book and you like get all emotional and and you feel these things and you can like connect to Elsa and like just think about how it would be to be nine years old and see a man killing your reindeer. So I think books and literature and culture in any way is the best way to reach out to people and make them feel something and really understand what is happening. Absolutely. I think as well what you were saying about Elsa, you know, we start off the book when Elsa's nine and I think that's probably one of the best ways to sort of grip the reader's attention because you're seeing you're seeing the world through this nine-year-old's eyes and you're like okay like how much is this child being protected from how much is being revealed to her about the world and it you know it's, it's really upsetting you know the the first time she witnesses a reindeer that's been murdered you know she's she's horrified and you know that has a I feel like that has a much greater impact than it might it might have on an adult seeing this, I feel like we're sort of a bit more desensitized to um to things like that. I mean, would would you say that led? Would you say yeah? I'd say a bit more desensitized rather than a, a child's first experience of witnessing something like that. Yeah, and I, I feel like as well, it's it it feels so important that that scene is there because I feel like I had no idea about any of this subject matter, and I feel like when you witness that with Elsa 
it, it's opening your eyes as the reader. You go, oh my goodness, this happens. Like yeah. it's it's such an important moment for you as a reader, especially if you're one from a background that's so different and you, you don't know about about these things occurring. It's so it's so important that that scene is there. Yeah, because uh, many of the reindeer herders that I met up with who had children, it was like heartbreaking to hear them talk about their children. When are we going to tell them that this is happening? How are we going to tell them? And how are we going to make them want to live this life with all this some hatred and their like reindeers getting killed? Because many of them have like a, a personal connection to the reindeers. Like Elsa do, she's uh, her reindeer had a name uh, and they know their reindeers. And as as I also write in the book, and that was one thing that a few of the reindeers heard us said to me that this isn't a job for us. This is our life. And this is what the man knows, the one who are killing the reindeers, because they can't go out and shoot a reindeer herder, but they can kill a reindeer and get to the reindeer herder's heart by doing that. Uh, So, yeah, it was absolutely, um, that was my first decision that I had to write this uh, through the eyes of a child in the beginning. So that it really connects with the the reader to to be like, yeah, as you say, even here in Sweden, many people were like, is this really happening? We have no idea, uh, especially in the south of Sweden, uh, because this is mostly happening in the, the northern part of Sápmi in Samiland. And, and uh, you know, newspapers aren't writing that much about these kind of crimes. And uh, so I got so many emails and people... Uh, coming up to me and saying, uh, this is horrific. I had no idea. How couldn't we know anything about this? Uh, so that has also been very important for me. I do write my books for the Sami people. In That's my like main goal. I want the Sami to find themselves in, in books. And I want to tell our story, our people, our, our way of thinking about life and how we live. But uh, it's also, of course, very important for me uh, to have readers knowing more about uh, Sami society and, and how we live, what we are facing every day. Absolutely. And I think that that essence of like culture and identity form quite central themes in the novel. Um, I feel like Elsa, everything that Elsa does, all the actions she takes, the decisions she makes, they're all influenced by who she is and where she comes from. So why was culture and identity so important for you to include in this narrative? Well, I have my personal story also. Uh, my mother, as I said, she comes from a reindeer herder family. And uh, in the 1930s here in Sweden, uh, the government uh, formed this kind of boarding schools. And they took the young children when they were seven years old from the reindeer herding families and put them to these boarding schools. And they couldn't see their families for months. They went there in the autumn and came back home in uh, for Christmas. And then again, they were uh, gone all spring. And uh, these were like terrible places. Um, they were they were forbidden to speak Sami, and they were taught to be ashamed of who they were. And they got an education that was much lower than the Swedish uh, children were getting. Uh, And all of this made many of the reindeer herders' uh, children who was going through this when they were parents themselves. They didn't teach their children Sami. And this happened to me. So I didn't get my my uh, the language from my mother because she was afraid that I was going to get harmed in some way. Uh, so 
it is really important for me to write about identity and the Sami culture and what you lose if you don't have your language and how important it is with the reindeer herding because it's a really strong cultural place for us where the language is uh, very strong and uh, we have traditions that go so many like thousand years back so so this is very important to write about uh, to like um, uh, preserve the traditions and uh, let people know how we are living and thinking and so on so there has been a lot of bad things happening to us and this is also one thing I I think it's so good with this translation and that my book is coming out in the world is that everybody thinks that Sweden is such a good country, so democratic and good in every way, but they have not taken care of their indigenous people. Uh, on the opposite, they have like done terrible things to us, uh, taking land and languages, uh, our language and um, taking children from their homes. So everything that has happened uh, has formed us as a people and we are all kind of carrying around uh, a lot of sorrow and anxiety and so on. So I think it's important to know our culture, to understand where we are today. Absolutely. I, I can't get over you saying about the, the schools and them, you know, children from like the age of seven not being being given a lesser education and being taught that their own language and their own culture is sort of wrong I just think how how can you how can you do that to to children and and it's just wrong it's just wrong you know yeah I'm I'm just so sorry that that you've had to experience that and that your family's had to experience that it's just yeah I, I can't even imagine how sort of I guess it's traumatic in a sense it, it is horrifying now Something that I obviously we've spoken about the the torture of the reindeers and that the reindeers are murdered and you know how how much trauma that can also cause people as well. I found those scenes particularly upsetting and I found you know really frustrating as a reader. So goodness knows how it must feel for for the community. Really frustrating that they were raising the alarm about these things happening and you know people were failing them the police specifically you know were failing to prevent this violence when they knew it was existing and they were failing to investigate it and I, I just felt that you you illustrated the violence on this community so vividly and so so well but how did you navigate sort of the, the telling of these traumatic scenes yeah uh, that was hard they were really hard for me to write um, but I thought to myself that I have to be very blunt and like tell it like it is because people has to know have to know how horrible it is because they are really torturing the animals. The scenes that I am writing about has happened in real life. Uh, this is stories that I have heard and uh, I've seen pictures where the snowmobiles are like driving up on a reindeer who's still alive and they're and they're like terrified you can see it in their eyes and so but I sometimes warn people because um, I know that it's hard to read about this so I sometimes say well you can maybe not read the first chapter <laughs> or two because it's kind of hard to read <laughs> but uh, and also the reindeer herders that have um, read the book has said to me that it's too hard I can't read it I have to take a lot of pauses and like let the book be for a for a day or two and then I read again and 
I have to skip some parts because it comes so close to us and uh, it's hard to read it. So yeah, I I think it's it's that one chapter that is really really hard to read. Yeah. Uh, and then I have tried to like well tell about the rain the the reindeers that are being found dead. Uh, but yeah, it's. It's hard to not cross a line and, and it's too much. But I hope I got it somewhat bearable to read. Yeah, I, absolutely. They're, they're really powerful, you know, the scenes. And I, I'm friends with, I mean, me and Lydia, uh, we, we blog about books. And so we have other friends that are book bloggers. And um, I know one of them in particular hates any sort of book that includes like abuse of animals. Obviously, you know, it really affects her. And I think often she hates it when it's specifically a book with sort of pointless animal abuse in there that feels pointless to her. Whereas this book literally couldn't have been written without it's such an integral part of the book um, because it just highlights how horrific the violence that this community has to endure is and there's no other way to illustrate that. No. Um, you know, people might feel, if, if this was, um, I don't know, in the UK, if it was this was like a, a family's dog being mm. murdered in this way, you know, but there'd be uproar. So why is there not the same sort of uproar about their animals, you know, these reindeers, it just, it makes no sense to me. You think, you know, they would have the same sort of reaction to it and they don't. And, and that, I found that so frustrating about the police reaction in the book. Um, yeah, it's really frustrating. Uh, and and I think the, the way you say about the dogs, that's one thing that many people have said to me. Oh my God, what if this had happened to my, like my, my pet? I would be so devastated and so angry if the police would react like this. But the problem is then uh, the police, uh, for them, uh, this is only a theft. And a theft in Sweden, you get like a fine uh, or you don't get you don't you don't get caught <laughs> at all because it's so hard for the police. The areas up here are, are really big and they can't investigate as they say, but they can because there are always some kind of tracks, especially in the winter where the snowmobiles leave a lot of tracks. So um, that makes it hard for the police, they say, uh, that they ca they can't investigate a crime like this. If something is happening in the in the city, like someone is getting beaten up or something and at the same time a reindeer herd is calling in saying I found my reindeers killed then they will say no we can't come we have like bigger crimes here in the city so that's why it has to be a change in this it, it can't be a theft it has to be something else like a hunting crime or uh, animal torture or something like that uh, yeah this affects their, their livelihood and their work though so how is it not being treated as seriously I just I can't imagine how frustrating that must be, you know, if somebody had to come into an office and totally trash the office, you know, would their reaction to that be better because that's affecting somebody's work? Like, I don't, I can't comprehend it, like their thought process around that. It's just horrendous. Yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah, and I think that has to do with the, also the feeling that uh, we Sami people aren't that important and that the reindeers aren't that important. Uh, and that's also very hard for them knowing this that they don't feel important enough i mean i think you have a, a a fantastic sort of skill of being able to put across the gravity of this situation in this book because i've not felt anger <laughs> like it in a while and i think that uh you tackle these kind of 
what some of them say were like taboo subjects, isn't it? You know, oh, don't talk about it because the police are out and all this stuff. Well, no, not really. But you have this kind of deaf skill at being able to do it. And I think that people need to read this book because you have no idea how important it is to know this stuff, to know that this is happening and to hear hear what's going on because we from the outside can apply pressure and can say, listen, something's going on, like something needs to change because it's just not right at all. It really isn't. And I think another subject, I mean, we touched on it a little bit before, but another subject that you, you deal with really well in the book is mental illness and mental health issues, particularly amongst men. There's one character, and I won't do any spoilers, but there's one character who is kind of the life and soul of the book, in a way, mm-hmm. um, who deals with their own issues. Mm-hmm. And I I think that you, you, you approach mental illness with a very open way. It's it's such a, a brilliant way of looking at it. What did you want to demonstrate by including these struggles with mental health, particularly amongst the men? Well, I think there is a silence in Sápmi, in Samiland. People don't talk about their problems, they don't talk about their feelings, and especially not the young men and not the older men either. Uh, they have to be uh, so strong and like uh, passing on the tradition and never complain and always like fighting and doing their thing. And I think it's really dangerous uh, to be like that and never show any kind of weakness. You have to be like so strong all the time and uh, it's impossible to be that strong when all of these pressures are coming in from all kinds of directions. It's it's really, really bad. And um, so this is uh, well known in Sweden that uh, in the Sami community, there are a lot of suicides and a lot of mental illness. So I can say that every Sami knows someone in their own family or among the relatives or friends who has committed suicide. It's that common. Uh, so, and I was so angry about this also, um, that people don't understand uh, that all of this, uh, these uh, things that are happening, uh, the reindeer killing and everything else, is so much bigger than people know. It's actually killing people also because they can't live in this situation. And so that was uh, one of the main reasons why I wrote the book, because I wanted to get people to talk about this. I was hoping that my book could get the Sami people to talk about this and uh, reach out to each other and admit when you're feeling low and being depressed or being scared or whatever. Don't be by yourself, like talk to others because you are quite a few that are having the same kind of issues. Uh, so I hope that one thing that my book will lead to, that people start to talk more in, in SAPMI. As I told you earlier about the, the nomadic school, the boarding schools, that is the same thing. Like the ones who went to their boarding schools, they don't want to talk about it. They don't want to put this burden on their children and their grandchildren. Uh, and they go around with this like heavy sorrow in their bodies and like feeling, yeah, they lost a lot like this. And a lot of families were like shattered because of this. And and I didn't even know that my mom had gone to a school like this because before I was like, I don't know, 17, 18 years old because she never told me. And I think the silence is very dangerous because you, you feel that something is wrong, but you can't like 
put your finger on what is it. Uh, and uh, I also always say that this kind of trauma and sorrow, uh, it goes on in generations. Uh, I can feel my mother's trauma. Of course, because I didn't get the language, but I can also feel the things that she has been through and they are affecting me as well. Yeah, I mean, it, it will, you know, if I think if a person sort of represses or has been taught to repress their feelings mm. and to feel shame about certain emotions, you know, the way that they behave and the way that they parent is going to be completely affected because that's what they've been taught and they're going to pass those teachings down to their children and the pattern continues you know yeah and i think you know so much of the book shame is spoken about and how the suicide occurs it's sort of like oh like we don't really want to say what the what the cause of death was because you know that that will immediately immediately bring shame on our family and it's just so so awful the way that we perceive mental health in comparison to physical health in modern society is just so different and so like upsetting and i thought yeah the way that you sort of navigated that topic was just so like well done you know it was done with such compassion humanity and that's the kind of stories that people you know need to read in order for us to sort of progress i guess thank you no thank you <laughs> so the novel is is set just just north of the the arctic circle i think um which is obviously an area that sort of experiences um much more extreme weather conditions that would, I mean, definitely much more extreme weather conditions than we have in the UK anyway. And, you know, it's also somewhere that I guess will will face the the effects of climate change or be aware of the effects of climate change much uh, sooner than we might. I'd love to sort of know, how did you want to approach the theme of climate change within this novel? Yeah, it, it was very obvious to me when I was out with the reindeer herders, when they like showed me the snow and told me how hard the reindeers had with their attempts to getting down to the pastures. Uh, they couldn't eat. Uh, so it's usually very cold uh, in the northern parts of Sweden all winter. But uh, for like, uh, maybe it's like 10, 15 years, it has started to rain in the most crazy way it shouldn't be raining in like in the middle of the winter and when the rain comes it uh, it will be ice on the snow and then there will be more snow and then it might rain again and then there will be ice and this is not normal this hasn't been like this before uh, and the reindeers uh, can't find food uh, so the reindeer herders have to feed them and that's uh, something that they feel is kind of unnatural uh, they have to like have the the reindeers uh, in an area where they can feed them they can't like go loose and that's also very strange for the reindeers to to live like this and now they're used to it because they have been doing this for many years now but also when the temperature in spring uh, can be too warm too early then the reindeers might start to walk up to the mountains when it's not time for that and that can be very dangerous because the calves can't make it if it's going to be snow again uh, so there are a lot of like these uh, signs that the reindeer herders have been telling everybody they have warned about this for many many years and no one has listened to them and uh, so uh, that's why I needed to have that also in the book because uh, that has a lot of consequences for them uh, it has made everything much harder and uh, it's also more expensive to have to feed the reindeers uh, so yeah, that's why. Just so frustrating, isn't it? The amount of the amount of things that these this community is sort of raising the alarm over, and 
and nobody's listening you know it's horrendous and i think it it also feels like that you're being attacked on all fronts mm-hmm. yeah you know <laughs> it's you just can't you can't catch a break because if it's not the environment punishing you it's the police and it the culture or it's the society and yeah it's just unbelievable yeah it really yeah. is yeah it is and that's why so many sami people are like dealing with mental illness uh, because it's so hard it's so many things yeah and i found that in the book as well um we we're talking a bit about about climate change and, and and the impact on the environment but the environment that you write about and that surrounds these characters in the narrative it's, it's beautiful but it's very dangerous in equal measure i think and we see as the story unfolds how how the environment impacts the characters why was it so important for you to include so much detail about the environment itself uh well first of all again i wanted to give the the sami people a feeling of reading of but reading about their own places and their home. And for me, I live here in Stockholm now. I've been living here for more than 20 years and I want to go home almost every day. So for me, it was like writing my home and writing my places. Uh, it feels so important for me to tell them. And also because places are very important for us Sami people. We have a lot of history in the places and different lands and landscapes. They, means, uh, they mean things for us and our ancestors have been going there. Uh, so, And we, we always tell stories, like the elder generations always tell stories for the younger ones, so we never forget uh, what has happened in the past. Uh, so the environment is uh, really important. It's kind of a part of the, the story. It's like a character of its own in one way. Now, Lydia, she will probably roll her eyes at me asking this question, but I will find any way possible to talk about adaptations on the podcast and I have been trying my hardest to get her to do an adaptation series with me and obviously this book is being adapted for Netflix which is incredible I'm sure you are very excited for that and obviously you know as we've been speaking about this is such a ignored community that it's really important that their voices are elevated and I can't think of a sort of better platform in this day and age for people to to see their stories. How much, I don't know how much you can speak about this, <laughs> but how much are you going to be involved in the adaptation? Um, and yeah, how much can you tell us about that? <laughs> yeah. Everything's really secret. Okay. Uh, but, uh, no, but I have been... Uh quite much involved in the script actually the writer his name is uh, peter biro and uh, he's quite big here in sweden he's written a lot of uh, tv series and movies and so on and i'm so happy to be working with him or, or i'm not working i'm just reading what he's working with <laughs> but it's really exciting uh, I have never done this before, of course. Uh, so I'm learning as we go on how a script is like written, and and he's uh, he's so nice, and he's listening to me uh, because he knows that I know all the detail details in the reindeer herding community and. Uh, what kind of fish there are in the lakes and the rivers and stuff like that. So I can help him with all the details. So, uh, yes, I'm very happy uh, to be this involved. And uh, now they're starting to shoot the movie. Uh, They started like two weeks ago um, at the 
Jokmok uh, Fair, the Jokmok Market, maybe it's called in the book uh, that I write about, the, the ones, the one that Elsa goes to. Yeah. Uh, so they started to film there, uh, and now uh, in March I will be going home, and I will be sitting in the snow, looking <laughs> at them filming in my area, in my home village. So. Uh, I'm so excited about this. It's going to be so much fun. And uh, yeah, as you said, it's such a great opportunity to let the world see what is happening. Again, Sweden needs to be like confronted with the way they have treated their indigenous people. So I'm so looking forward to this. And and it's going to be a, a lot of it uh, in my area at home. But also I think they're going to be filming some other places also. But most of the places are where people are Sami or Tornadalian. So uh, that's also so much fun. It's going to be a lot of people that I know, I hope, in the movie. I, hadn't, uh, I haven't been involved in the casting. <laughs> uh, so it's going to be very exciting for me also to see who is getting the big parts. Oh, what a yeah. beautiful full circle moment for you as well. I mean, yes. I, I can't even imagine how amazing that's going to feel. You know, you've been back in your homeland and yeah. watching your story be filmed for Netflix. I think it's yeah. just going to feel so surreal. But, you know, as we've said, it's really, really important that their voices are elevated. And I'm so pleased to hear that, you know, they're going to be a huge part of the cast because that's obviously really important. Yeah. So yeah, thank you for giving us the inside scoop on that. <laughs> I'm very excited. <laughs> so finally, I just wanted to say that I think this book uh, really made me appreciate the importance of tradition and family and uh, you know cultural cultural identity. What would you like? readers to take away from their reading experience of this book oh wow hard to say i think (laughs) it depends on who you are uh but i hope uh that people like know that there is sami people because i think uh in most countries maybe in europe and uh, in other parts of the world they don't even know that we have an indigenous people in sweden so that is one thing that i hope that people will no, now. Uh, but uh, most of all, as you said, the family. Um, because I want to say that the book isn't all that like hard to read and like uh, everything is bad and sorrow. It's also a lot of love for the for the nature and the family and the way we live. Uh, so I hope that people will see that also. And um, and I and I think it's really important for people to know how badly we have been treated for so many many years, and this is still going on. So that is what I wish people to know more about. Yeah, I am very sure that people will be very moved by this book. I thought it was really powerful and just so like insightful and. I just think you're an incredible writer. So, yeah, thank you for writing this book. Now, before we let you go, it is very important that we get some recommendations out of you. Um, Now, usually we ask for any recommendations you might have um, for debut authors. Um, But if you wish to give us um, any other book recommendations, they are very welcome here. (laughs) Well, uh, one of my... Favorite authors is Silvia Avalone. Do you know the Italian writers? Uh, yes. She writes like fantastic books. And I can 
because she also writes about uh, class and who you are and to be uh, your identity and uh, growing up in like uh, uh, cities where there are mines and uh, big companies and and the boys and the men are very much boys and men and and the girls are very much girls and and everybody has the traditional role. So uh, she's one author that I really love and read a lot of from. Uh, so she's the one I want to recommend. Amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. Well, um, thank you so much, Anne Helen, for joining us today. I continue to butcher uh, pronunciations, <laughs> but <laughs> thank you so much for joining us um, and for writing this wonderful book. Um, listeners, Stolen is out now in the UK. I will uh, put a link in the show notes to order your copy. Please do, because this story is so important and I hope it reaches as many readers as possible. I can't wait to hear what other people think of this beautiful book. Can't wait to see the Netflix adaptation, which I believe is out in 2024 or is planned to be out in 2024. Amazing. So very, very exciting stuff. Is there somewhere that our listeners can find you on social media? Uh, well, yes, I'm on Twitter. Amazing. And also in uh, Instagram. But I mostly write in Swedish there, but you can get the translation. So you, yeah. you see what I write about. Yes. I will include um, the links to both of your social medias on the links on our show notes um, because... Yeah, I mean, I, I think I've seen a few of your posts now and you're sharing, you know, important stories as you have in the book. So yes, listeners, please do go buy this book. Please do give Anne Helen a follow. And if you liked this episode, please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe as it helps to boost us in the charts. And you can also follow us at A Pair of Bookends Pod on Instagram and at A Pair of Bookends on Twitter and TikTok. And unfortunately, we've got to let Anne Helen go now, which I'm sad about. But thank you so much for joining us. This has been wonderful. Oh, thank you. I'm so happy you wanted to have me on your show um, you're welcome anytime <laughs> always always please come back because i know <laughs> there is another novel so we yeah. get you back yes the next book um i'm just uh my next novel is coming out here in sweden now it's called punished amazing do you know if we're getting that in the uk i hope so uh, i hope so but i, I hope so okay. Fingers crossed. i might have to learn swedish and fly yeah. out and buy my own copy <laughs> <laughs> well yeah thank you so much and goodbye goodbye, goodbye.